Welcome to the 8 o'clock Mass, or what I'm calling today the second 7 o'clock Mass. I survived. This morning I had 7 o'clock Mass. I thought it was just going to be me and me, but people actually showed up. They weren't very awake, but we survived, right? You know, the often witty yet morally troubled Oscar Wilde once said, the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. I can resist everything, he said, but temptation. In our scandal-ridden world today, it seems not a day goes by when we don't hear a mea culpa from someone who has given in to some temptation or another. It can leave us scratching our heads, doubting the possibility that any of us can actually live a clean and good life. After his fall from grace many years ago, golfer Tiger Woods wrote about his past, I stopped living by the core values that I was taught to believe. I convinced myself that normal rules didn't apply to me. I never thought about who I was hurting. Instead, I thought only about myself. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me, and I didn't have to go far beyond to find them. And I was wrong. I didn't get to play by different rules. The same boundaries that apply to everyone else apply to me. And when I think about that statement, I think, you know, the same thing applies to me when I fall into sin, and you as well. Clearly, if there is one thing that the world has plenty of, it's temptation. And when someone falls, our attitude seems to be, there before the grace of God go I. And this is why it's so important on this first Sunday of Lent to see how Jesus successfully resisted temptation in the desert. You know, the only way that St. Luke would have known about the Lord's temptation would have been if Christ had told his disciples about it. No one else was there besides the devil and the Holy Spirit who drives the Lord into the desert. As the account of his temptation is present in three of the Gospels, we can assume that Jesus opened his heart to the apostles about his hidden life in this moment when the Holy Spirit sent him to the desert between the mountains of Jerusalem and the Dead Sea where he confronted the devil and his temptations. And it was a critical as he prepared for his public ministry. As we all know, when people put themselves out there in leadership, there are temptations that they must overcome. St. Luke says that Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days, which would have made him physically weak and tired. And wouldn't you know, this is the moment when the devil came to tempt him. Sound familiar? It's exactly what the devil does to many of us when we are tired, when we are weary. The devil tempts Jesus three times, temptations that Jesus would undergo in his public ministry and that each of us undergoes in our lives. And interestingly, Jesus' temptation mirrors those temptations that plagued Israel in the desert. But while Israel, pushed by hunger and thirst, rebelled against God, Jesus remained faithful to his commitment to his Father. In the first temptation, the devil bids Jesus to turn stones into bread. The evil one was tempting Jesus and all of us by suggesting that our appetites should always be satisfied. Why allow ourselves to be hungry for anything? 
for many today. There is a belief that we should always be full. If you have a sexual urge, fulfill it. A desire for more things, go buy it. And if you have any bodily hunger, the devil tempts us to satisfy it. But as Jesus would say later in his ministry, you cannot serve God and mammon. In the temptation, the devil tries to blind Jesus to the fact that as he would seek the pleasures of the earth, he would have to make a choice to not fulfill his true hunger for God. He would have to ignore his need for meaning and purpose in life. And by putting himself first, he would ignore and deny the needs of others. But Jesus refuses. Quoting quoting the scripture, he reminds the devil and us that man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by fulfilling every need of their appetites. He reminds us that we are destined for eternity, not the things of this earth that will not satisfy those greatest longings. Incidentally, this is why the poorest of the poor often have a greater sense of peace and trust in God than the rest of us. That is, they're not blinded by the fulfillment of their bloated earthly desires. This is why we are called to fast during Lent, to turn away from the temptations of feeding those appetites. The second temptation is to simply give up on the struggle to live virtuously and surrender to the devil who offers Jesus power and all the kingdoms of the earth. The devil boasts, it is all mine, and I give it to anyone that I choose. That, of course, is a great lie. The world is God's and his alone, and he has given it to us, his people. Nevertheless, the devil's temptation is to lead us to despair, that goodness is impossible and that people will never change, that we will never change in our longing for that power and prestige. The devil wants us to stop fighting that meanness, that that hatefulness, that need for control, our hard-heartedness are everywhere. So why resist it by leading a moral life? Of course, that dog-eat-dog mentality leads to the ultimate darkness, and that is the belief in ourselves as God, but not a belief in, in the God of the universe. And Jesus says, wait a minute, this isn't true. God lives. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. By serving the Lord, his light comes into the darkness, and hope reigns over cynicism and despair. And the third temptation is to turn your faith into something that you, make, you do to make God act. After the devil tempts Jesus to, uh, to fling himself down from the parapet of the temple to see if God will act. In other words, why do we pray? Because God is just a divine vending machine. Prayer is so that you can tell God what he needs to do for you. It's informing God that he has made an imperfect world and he needs to fix it on our terms. So the third temptation is to make God act. In other words, don't challenge yourself to be holy by obedience and docility to his will, but rather put God to the test and force his hand. But Jesus responds, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That when we can't see the hand of God, 
that he is still guiding us if we humbly and obediently submit to his will. As Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer and also in the garden before his crucifixion, not my will, but thy will be done. So the temptations that the the devil puts to Jesus, the devil puts to us. He wants us to put ourselves first and to ignore what God wants for us and of us. On this first Sunday of Lent each year, we are reminded that the temptation is a reality. But we also can learn by Jesus' example that temptation can be overcome if we are faithful to Christ's example in the desert. So let us turn to Jesus in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which are the pillars of the Lenten season, with the hope that we will have conversion of heart and we will be, over, we'll be able to overcome temptation. This time of Lent is an opportunity that God gives us to transform our lives and build up our resistance to temptation, saying no to our appetites, gaining confidence in the goodness of human beings and God's will in each of our lives.